Hey everybody, Brian here from The Business Machine. And before we get started with Samantha Riley, amazing guest all the way from Australia, one of our first guests from Australia. And I just want to put a little note in there before you listen to this that the day we interviewed her was the night of her, her that night was going to be the launch of her book, The Heart of Entrepreneurship. So you'll hear that in there. Her book has been out for about a month now and super successful. You can get that on Amazon. You can go to her website or you can check it out in the show notes. So anyway, just wanted to give you a heads up. Enjoy this one. It's a good one. This is The Business Machine, where we talk with small business owners and entrepreneurs to get their advice on how they run their machines. We know that they, as high-energy, non-stop, inspirational leaders, are behind their well-oiled machines. We will get their tips and tools, and also listen to their mistakes and how they overcame them. As business owners, we're all trying to fuel our machines and create a great team so that our machines will eventually run themselves. So get ready. Up next, the business machine is firing up. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Business Machine or Learning from Our Mistakes. I'm your host, Brian Town. And I tell you, I get excited for all of our guests, but today I'm super excited because not only uh, is she an amazing entrepreneur and has a great story to tell, um, and she's big time for us here at the Business Machine, but she is... um, across the globe and she's over in Australia. So for us, it's a big deal. And we're so glad to have on our show today, Samantha Riley, who is the author of The Heart of Entrepreneurship, Successful Businesses Over the Decades. And today she helps business owners amplify their message so that they can make a bigger impact and charge higher fees, which is something we all want to do. Samantha, good morning in Australia. And thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Brian. If you uh, have to navigate my strange accent for a little while. Yeah, no, I can. Yeah, no, it's great. Um, I love it. (laughs) So today um, is a big day for you. It's not just a normal uh, Wednesday morning. There's a lot of things going on uh, for you today, isn't there? Totally. It's a huge (laughs) day today, um, but I'm very, very excited. (laughs) So Samantha, tell us a little bit of, you know, we all go to these networking parties and you've done it and you actually probably teach people how to, how to navigate those and, and, you know, some things to do there, but somebody comes up to you at one of those and they say, Hey, what do you do? What would you tell them? Brian, I help passionate entrepreneurs who create and deliver amazing programs, but they struggle because they're unknown, so they might be the world's best-kept secret, and they're usually overworked and underpaid, and I help them to amplify their message so they can build a following and charge higher fees. Yeah, and I I like that a lot because I think we always, as entrepreneurs and business owners ourselves, we, we always forget that. we are a big part of that. And we need to be able to not only say that message, but live that message. And tell me some ways that how how do you do that for your clients? So the very, very first thing I do, which is something that a lot of people forget is like, let's start it. What is the legacy that you want to leave behind? Yeah. So what do you want to be known for? And then let's reverse engineer that so that you know what your purpose is and really tap into that. Because when you know who you authentically are, you can authentically deliver that message and people will either, yep, cool, that's not for me, or they'll be like, yeah, I'm totally into that. Like, I'm on the journey with you. Don't you think that's hard too for people? Do you find that it's hard? Because it would be hard for me. Like, I, you know, I'm a pretty outgoing person and I'm kind of, you know, I'm an open book, but to really find out who I am as an authentic person, that sounds kind of scary. I don't know if I want to, I don't know if I want to find that out. Yeah, it's <laughs> the most excruciatingly vulnerable place to be. Oh, yeah. But from that place of vulnerability, that's where courage is. So to really know who you are, 
to be able to, to say that succinctly, like, you know, this is who I am and this is who I stand for. When you really truly believe it, when the haters come out, <laughs> you're okay to say, like, hang on, let me just back that up for a sec. It still really hurts, yeah, but it's yeah, okay yeah. to say, you know what, I still firmly believe it, so you're not part of my, you know, not part of my tribe. That's okay, I get it. Yeah, you're, you're okay with what that is because if, yeah. if you don't know it, you can kind of be like, well, I, uh, I really don't. Maybe you're right. Yeah, totally. I had, I had a, a really interesting um, turning point, I guess, for myself when I was really starting to think, you know, I, I have quite a – I love to engage with people on Facebook um, and uh, to be vulnerable. I like to say if I'm having a bad day, I'll generally say to my Facebook group, you know, things haven't gone so well today, you know. Uh, you know, I'm in a bit of a funk or some challenging things have come up or the team hasn't delivered or whatever it is. And um, uh, I had a, a client actually say, um, Sam, like if you're such a great coach, you shouldn't be telling people that you have bad days because huh. that's not great for us to know. And I tell you, in that moment, I was so hurt and so vulnerable and thought, oh, my goodness, what have I done? Oh, no. This is what other people think. But then I really thought, no, this is the message I want to deliver. I want people to understand it's okay to have bad days and we all have them. And I just was able to move on. But, you know, there was that vulnerable time just there for a minute. Sure. Tell me about that light bulb moment too, when, cause that's a real, like you said, to teach other people to be able to do that when, when that happens and people get it, I mean, is that something that you can just see and, and what's that look like? You know, it's gotta be just, yeah, you got it. And that look on that person's face to really help them define that. I mean, is that a, just a great experience for you? Oh, you totally understood that yeah, yeah. because there is a specific moment where all of a sudden you're going through this process and we're extracting this, you know, what's that legacy? What's that purpose? Sure. And all of a sudden the penny drops and the look that comes over these people's faces and they get a sparkle in their eye and it's almost like this huge um, weight has lifted off their shoulders, their whole physiology changes. And at that moment, it's just like my heart wants to burst. I'm like, oh, I've got it. It's just so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I love that. And, you know, being a teacher for so long too, that was kind of the thing when they really got it, that was something that was real, you know, very satisfying too. And tell us a little bit why you started this. Now, this is not your first company, but why did you start the company that you're currently running and yeah. why did you do that? Why'd you feel like that was the, the right thing to do? Yeah. Okay. So I probably need to go back a little bit because yeah. where I am now has morphed quite a lot over the last few years. So uh, my background for 20 years was actually um, in dance. So I had a dance studio. I also had two retail stores that were selling dancewear. Um, and I ran those for 20 years. And then some, some personal challenges came up. I had a divorce and I kind of lost myself a little bit, didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, the businesses all got sold off and I was like, wow, I've been in business for 20 years. I'm unemployable. I can't go get a job. Like, yeah, what am I going to do? This isn't an option, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> so I just kind of, you know, played around a little bit and um, I started coaching people how to start their businesses. Um, and I was coaching people in e-commerce and retail and, and setting up their coaching practices. But even though I loved the idea of coaching startups and I knew it was something that that uh, the product was really great. I wasn't really passionate about the implementation of helping them to do it. I didn't enjoy working only with startups because it didn't light me up. There was so much challenge with them, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I just it, I wasn't feeling it. Um, so I sort of started coaching 
um, and marketing people that had and marketing people that have been in business for a little while, um, helping them with social media, running social media workshops, and then that kind of morphed into people saying, "Wow, we really love how you do your social media. Could you just do ours for us?" Gotcha. So that took on another whole new new realm again, and it, all of that has sort of come together. Um, with the idea of the Accelerant Group, which is all around igniting business growth and, you know, helping these entrepreneurs to amplify their message. But also with another branch or another arm of it is for the people that are super busy, it's to um, manage their social media accounts for them. So, yeah, it's it's been a journey. <laughs> yeah, it really has been a journey from selling <laughs> dancewear to now doing this. But <laughs> yeah. I, And I think what I like about that story, and if we can, not that I lie, I shouldn't say that I like that you had a hard time. That's not what I meant, but <laughs> like, oh, that's awesome, Sam. I'm so glad you had a hard time. But so, <laughs> but what, what I think I've gotten most out of just interviewing people just like you is that uh, it's hard. I, I, it's the hardest thing I've ever, and somebody told me this when I started my own company. I know I was, I was in a regular job for 14 years, got paid every two weeks, um, and then just decided one day to just make a run at it. And it still is the hardest thing that I've ever done. And and not to say that I hate it or, I mean, I love what I do, but... Um, just touching on the point that you said about, you know, the hard times, yeah. I feel like it's like a pendulum. So the, the pendulum swings and when it swings a little bit into the dark side, it'll swing a little bit into the light side. Like so that. what I mean by that is the, the little negatives will give you a, a, a little positive. But sometimes that pendulum swings a real lot into the dark side. The... the most awesome part of that is that it will swing really, really far into the into the positive, into the white side. Good. So, you know, some of those really, really dark times will give us the most positive times. So there's hope. There is hope. There's always <laughs> <Good>. hope. <laughs> and because and, and I know, and we've talked to, you know, some smaller ones that are local here in Michigan, and, and they've said the same thing, that, boy, there's some times, but there's hope. And, you know, five, six, <laughs> just keep moving and keep pushing and, and find a way to really understand that movement of, of dark and light and, and know that it's coming. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. I love that. So. Give us the 10-year vision. I, I've heard uh, many business owners, um, both small business, big business you know, uh, entrepreneurs, I always like to look 10 years out because I always want to think, what does this look like for me in 10 years? What does yeah. your business look like in 10 years? Yeah, I actually found this question quite challenging, to Did be you? honest, because um, I, I guess because I have been in business for over 20 years, for me, 10 years just seems like so far away and I know how quickly things change. Right. So whilst I've got a 10-year vision, and I do have one, which I'll share in just a moment, I'm not going to get hooked on that's exactly what it's going to be because mm -hmm. in 10 years' time, like the, the world changes so quickly, right? right? There could be, you know, Snapchat wasn't around, you know, a few years ago. and like, <laughs> Right, it probably won't I mean? be around in 10 years, right? right. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I see a beautiful, um, a small office that's bright with, with lots of plants so that, you know, we're creating this really happy space, um, very open plan with, you know, large areas for collaboration. Um, and I see lots of happy people. So the team that looks after the clients and the events in my programs um, and also the media team that looks after our content and also the, the management for our other clients. Um, but uh, I'm addicted to Apple products. So most importantly, I'm seeing lots of beautiful Macs around. Good, good. We are too. Good. <laughs> I think Apple will be around in 10 years. I think Apple will be, and I'm very happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> 
And see, that vision to me gives me chills because to me, that's one of the things that I'd like to get our listeners to think about too, because to me, that sounds amazing. Like, oh my gosh, if that, if you had that and, and you're always maybe once in a while when, you know, you, you have a dark time, you're thinking, wow, no, we're just working towards that one place that it's going to look like this. And that's why I like the fly through, like not really how your business is going to run, but what does it look like? Like if you could step out and see 10 years, what are your employees doing and, and what does the office look like? So I'm really glad that you brought that in there. Cause that's really exactly what we wanted to get. Well, totally. When you close your eyes and you, and you yeah. picture that fly through, and you pitch all those happy people collaborating and creating amazing, you know, things for clients. Yeah. Like what's, you get that feeling the whole way through your body. Every cell in your body will yeah. take that on. You yeah. Really, yeah, you really do. And, and I think yeah. that makes you go, okay, I, I can work a little bit harder today because I know if I do that, then that's what it's going to look like. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I have to tell myself that. See, I'm great at giving advice. Very good at it, but I got to take my own. <laughs> look we all do as a coach every time i do a coach <laughs> session i go and you know get off the end of the call yeah. And go, yeah okay i should do that <laughs> yeah. we had to do that with our our own website because we were telling our clients you got to have a call to action here and you should put a video over here and then we started to look at our own website going hey guys we should probably put that on there yeah but that's part of being a great entrepreneur is jumping off the cliff yeah. and figuring out how to get the plane happening on the way down yeah i love that one of the reasons we called this show The Business Machine, and it kind of, I, I can't even remember how we came up with the name. It was kind of just throwing stuff at the wall. And, and I'm like, hey, it's a machine, right? And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to get and build um, both our machine here at Michigan Creative, and I'm sure you're doing the same thing, to eventually get it to run on its own. Now, it's never going to run seamlessly on its own. But we're all trying to put pieces in this machine, people and processes and clients and equipment, whatever it might be, to get little pieces of the machine to run by themselves. What do you think that you're doing now or how do you think you're doing or have done in the past to allow that to happen? Sure. So at the moment, because I'm back in startup phase, it's right. just, you know, like we were talking, it's putting one foot in front of the other. Um I, my my very very first job was working in a McDonald's store, so I had an amazing um, eye opening experience, understanding that systems and procedures were what actually created the business and what the business was was built on. Sure, McDonald's um, is very systemized. That's how they build everything. Absolutely, exactly. yeah. and and my very first mentor was this. Um, the man that owned our store, he actually owned four stores. So not only was he um, had one McDonald's store that had to be systemized, but he had four stores running. Um, and I used to go and sit on his desk in the afternoon after school and just ask him questions. Mm. And because I was only, you know, 15 years at the time, and he was like, wow, this kid's actually really interested. He <laughs> kind of took me under his wing and would t and taught me a lot. Very cool. So that's that's kind of where I got my start was, was getting my, my learnings from him. So I understood how important those systems were so when we opened the dance store and uh when we not so much when it was just myself working in there but as soon as i hired my first staff member you know it was starting to get the store procedures written down that the daily things that had to happen you know um writing down stock levels and and ordering for all the different suppliers and giving them codes so that everyone understood what the numbers meant and where the, the products were coming from you know we used to have a big diary on the counter like these were the days before um project management software yeah, right. um, so we just you know down, yeah. absolutely you know we had the old phones <laughs> which i kind of want to go back to sometimes yeah there's some good things about it but there's some good things about the way things are now sure, so sure. Know, getting them to merge together is actually really awesome because yeah. I've got that experience for so long. I can 
you know, bring these two worlds together. Um, you know, we used to have a diary on the counter that we would write notes in for, for whoever was coming in the next day to make sure that a customer was followed up and didn't get forgotten or to make sure to do wow. a certain order. So it was making sure that everyone at every moment in time, at, you know, everywhere knew exactly what was happening, what they had to do, at what time, yeah, yeah and just so getting really... these. Go ahead. Sorry. Sam. No, just making sure that it all runs smoothly so that if I wasn't there, Yep. No, no one could tell. So it's processes too are part of that machine. And that's something that we're always working on here is what's the process? You get a client, then what? And then what do you do? And put them into a, a, a process so that it can be repeated and somebody else can do it for you. And so I love that. You know, one of the things <laughs> I really like about that, Sam, is when you when you said um, McDonald's, what I thought you were going to say is, uh, I worked at McDonald's. It wasn't very cool. But, <laughs> what, you know, what, that's what I just, I just assumed because a lot of people would say something like that. But I think what I want my audience to get out of this and what I really loved what you said is that you, you loved that experience and you really gained a lot from that. And so I, I think even in the smallest jobs that we had, I worked in, in restaurants. I'm so glad that I did because now I, I love to cook. And I think every little job that we have and every little experience that we have, we can take some stuff from and, and you, boy, you really did that for McDonald's. Totally. Absolutely. And I really enjoyed working there. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a mindset thing. I, I loved learning all that I could in the, in the store and, and I love being around all the people because there was lots of staff at McDonald's and, and sure, you know, being around burgers for my whole life might not be cool, but, <laughs> yeah, right. but for my first job, right, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> so at least you didn't go back there after, you know, before you started this company, you didn't go back. And- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that kind of wasn't an option. <laughs> Can I get an application? Right. Yeah. <laughs> You're a little overqualified, ma'am. <laughs> But sometimes uh, I do look at that and I, you know, uh, somebody else said this on a podcast too, and I'll be driving to work and I'll see guys mowing the lawn and nothing wrong with that profession at all. But sometimes it's just, we look at this and it's so hard sometimes to be an owner and the CEO of a company that, boy, it would be nice just to be able to go somewhere and do a job and then go home. But, you know, we can't, we can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. There, there, that there is some bright sides and, and, you know, I'm sure you and everyone listening has those times. But then there's the other times where you're like, yeah, yeah nah, yeah, it's yeah. so not worth it. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, nah, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> you, you're going to make me go to work for those hours? Yeah, that doesn't work. For yeah, that's not going to work. I got I to go to the gym at noon. What are you talking about? Exactly. <laughs> so now we're coming into a scary section. I'm sure you're going to handle it just fine because you don't seem to really mind talking about mistakes that you made. But, you know, we started this podcast to talk about the machine part of it, but also when I would tell people, hey, you know, if Mich- when Michigan Creative's kind of winding down or when I'm decided to move on and I'm going to write a book and I'm not going to write a book about all the great things that we did, I'm going to write a book about all the mistakes that we made. And people nod their heads and go, oh my goodness, I would read that book. So what do you think was your biggest mistake? And Or if there was something that you could tell somebody, definitely don't do this, <laughs> what would that be? <laughs> Well, first up, I don't think there's any such thing as a mistake. I believe that everything that happens that doesn't go quite right is more of a learning. If we didn't have those learnings, we wouldn't be able to improve our business all the time. So I've never really looked at it as a mistake unless it's, oops, did yeah. that learning again. Then that's a mistake, right? <laughs> okay, good. What is it? Uh, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing multiple times? Yeah, or, and I'm sure we've all done that too. Yeah. <laughs> um, but for me... Um, and, and I actually did this a couple of times, so it, it probably was a mistake, but it's to do with staff. 
because your staff are the most important part of your business. Um, and there's times where you might lose a couple of staff members in a hurry or you're coming into a busy time and, and you need to replace or you need to hire a couple of people and you get a whole lot of applications and you do a whole heap of interviews and they're kind of not up to par. And the mistake that I made was hiring someone who was the best of a bad bunch. Oh, yeah. Uh, and just going, you know what, I need someone yet that will do. And not really having the foresight to go, uh, what am I going to do two years down the track when this person has put cracks in my culture that is now bleeding through to the rest of the staff? Yeah. Because once that happened, it was almost, it took years to, to bring it back to neutral and kind of rebuild. Um, so th that would be my biggest mistake was hiring someone that, that really wasn't, um, fully going to fit into the culture or have the values of what we had either with, you know, with us or within the business. Um, and on that as well is hiring someone that has the skills. So on paper they look great, but they, they don't really have the passion. Yeah. I would actually rather hire someone on the passion because skills can be taught. Yeah, you can you can teach the skills. Yeah, and I, you know, I think that happens a lot because you you think, well, you know what, he's not that bad. Uh, um, I think I'll be able to take you know him in, and and I think once he gets into the culture, he'll get it, and he'll be part of our culture. Yep, but, that but it's kind of like the honeymoon. Yeah, it's like the honeymoon phase. You know, it's, <laughs> uh, if they're not really that great to begin with, in six weeks' time, it ain't going to be pretty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I see where you're going. <laughs> so, some something a little bit smaller and, uh, and not a mistake because we're not going to use that word anymore. But was something that you tried <laughs> that uh, seemed like a really good idea at the time, but just didn't work out like you expected. Yeah, so right back um, within the first 12 months of um, having my dance studio, uh, so when I opened it, we were just in a community hall um, and we did that because the costs were low, we could start to build and, you know, see if it was going to work. And um, within the first, I think maybe the first 18 months, it steadily built and I was like, yeah, this is, this is going in the right direction. Oh, yeah. uh, we were starting to be able to put on more classes, but because we were in the community hall, we couldn't get it for all the times that we needed because, you know, as we were bringing in more students, we needed more time to do more classes and, you know, the hall wasn't available. And I could see straight away that, or very early on, that there was a problem that I wasn't going to be able to build as quickly as I wanted to in the community hall, even though it cost less money. So we went out and found a premises um, our own premises on a main road and I thought this is great because sure. we're going to be able to build even quicker you know we've got signage on the main road we'll have passerby traffic you know we'll, we'll, people will start to see our brand and recognize it and we're going to be able to build quicker um, th there was a couple of mistakes here one the the premises that we chose it is on a main road but you couldn't enter from both directions you could only enter if you were driving one way oh no so you couldn't, you couldn't get if you were driving the other way like just you couldn't get in oh no um, and the other thing was the driveway to the to the building was probably like another building ahead so if you missed that turn off oh. you couldn't get back around so you would just be driving for another 20 minutes down the road so we would miss a lot of traffic coming in um, and the other thing was because it was our first premises and we'd never negotiated a lease before, the rent was um, too high oh, and man. we really, really hard to, like we started to get behind in the rent. Um, so the way we navigated that was realised before we went broke, this isn't good, we're not going to be able to sustain this. We went to the landlord and said, we, we want to break our lease. 
And he kind of went, well, you're still in it for, you know, another four years. Wow. And we went, well, it's like this. You either let us out and we can pay you the back rent and we can negotiate to pay it off or you can make us go broke and you'll never get the rent. <laughs> yeah, um, which one do you want to do? And guess which one he chose. <laughs> yeah. and we found another, another yeah. place down the road that was cheaper and, and it took us a year to pay off the back rent because we were paying on another place. Um, but it meant that the rent that we negotiated on the second building was fantastic, we, yeah. you know, and, and we we were a lot more open with the second landlord and we were in that premises for 18 years. And, you know, he was very sad to see us go. The day that the sure. day that I sold my studio, he was like, wow, you know, it worked out really well. So something, you know, if we hadn't have made those mistakes at the beginning, I don't believe that the, the negotiations for the second time around would have been as good that they as they were. Right. It's kind of like when I, and I love that because you don't want to say, I wish that wouldn't have happened because then if that wouldn't have happened, then you wouldn't have learned how to do it the next time. It's kind of like when I, uh, you know, know, unfortunately my wife lets me do some remodeling around the house, but I shouldn't. And it's kind of (laughs) like, you know, when I, when I redid the bathroom, it, it took me a long time and I broke a lot of things and, you know, and, but if I could go back in and do it all over again the second time, um, it would probably go a lot smoother, but you know, I learned a lot through building. It, so <laughs> yeah, I like that. And, and I, I'm, you know, it really turned out, um, to be something that was, a, a, a something that you learned a lot from and were able to carry that with you. So yeah, what do you have to work on, Samantha? What's your biggest fault and, and how, how are you daily probably trying to, to keep tackling that? Uh, yeah, right. This is so vulnerable, right? Don't uh, even hate that. Oh, we've got some shit that's not so great. <laughs> yeah, I could go ahead. Well, you could do a show all about that if you were interviewing me. So for me, it's compiling data. I hate cash flow projections. I hate working out conversions. Yeah. I, I, oh, blah, blah. I just can't even <laughs> talk about it. I absolutely hate it. And it's not my what I call my genius. So it's it's um it's something that I hand on. I really don't like doing. I love reading the spreadsheets. I get very excited about reading, um, you know, percentages and, and, and projections and, and looking at them and going, okay, well, I know how we can make this better and having the, the competitive nature to always be like tweaking it and, you know, doing better and measuring it. Love that. But I'm not someone, I, I don't enjoy compiling it. I like yeah. someone else just to hand me the spreadsheet so that I can do what I do. So, um, yeah, I have people that, that do that for me. And Even though my accountant says, you know, you should know how to do that. Well, that's really great for my accountant, not so great for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't want to do that stuff either. But that's good, though. You're able to hand that off and to give it somebody. And I think sometimes for entrepreneurs and small business owners, that's a hard thing to do. Um, hmm. But to give away responsibility um, to somebody else because you feel like you need to do it because you're the person and you should be responsible for this. So that's good. I mean, that's something hmm. that we should all learn and we all need to learn. So I'm trying to come up with a better word and a better phrase for this. And every episode, I forget to do it, but I don't like the word. (laughs) So people are listening to this. Gosh, he said that last episode. But most small business owners don't get work-life balance, and that's what I don't like: work-life balance. Because if we really have a job that we like, um, you know, we can we can find a way to connect the two. But in this world today, uh, our work could never stop. Um, you know, vacations don't happen, pressure builds. So what do you do to make sure that you have a balance both of I'm building this amazing company and I need to make money and I also need time for myself? Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think there's any magic formula for work-life balance. And I also believe that what that balance is is different for everybody. So it's tapping in and understanding what that balance is for you. Um, I've got friends, for example, that you know, like to work very short days and, 
you know, start maybe at nine or 10 in the morning and, you know, have some time off in the day and they're done by five and that works for them. Um, Me personally, I'm a little crazy. I usually start work at four in the morning and I, it's, I love to work in the morning and then, you know, I might go to the gym about nine o'clock and um, sometimes I work through lunch and sometimes I don't finish till 10 at night. For me, that's quite okay. I don't have children. So I, I, you know, it's just me on my own, just working in my business from home and I'm okay to do that. And for me, the balance is fine. For someone that's got children, that balance would not work whatsoever. So it's about what, you know, what works for you. Um, Having the insight to tap into like really feeling how you are at the moment. So not thinking about it, but really going inside and feeling um, things aren't working out for me right now. I'm going to put my headphones in and go onto headspace.com and do a 10 minute meditation so I can try and get back into the zone. I was just going to Uh, mention headspace. That's amazing. Yeah. It's fantastic. Isn't it such a good app? Well, I think Um, that mindfulness is important. And I think why I like headspace and and the word mindfulness, I think people automatically, when you say mindfulness and meditation, they think it's this big hippie thing that you have to, you know, float above the floor for an hour and it's, (laughs) you know, it's not like that. And, and so I was reluctant to do it, but you know, what I learned, from it is that it's just simply to understand how you're feeling at that point. So real quick yeah. example is we lost a big RFP, which is a request for a proposal. I thought we were, we were going to nail it and I thought we got it for sure. And we didn't get it. And, and so I was driving to work. I found out on the way to work. I hate that, that we didn't get this yeah. big pro- this big client and this big proposal. And so what I decided to do is go, well, how are you feeling about that right now? And I think, mm. I think that helped. I think it was just that simple going, well, you know, I'm kind of pissed off and I'm yep. kind of stressed because that was going to be some good money, but it's not the end of the world. And this is what I feel like. And I tell you like three minutes later, I was good, man. Yeah. You allow yourself to go into that feeling yeah. and feel it instead of pushing it away. I think yeah. that's really important. Yeah. Um, the other thing that works really well for me, if I'm, you know, working away and, and, and things just aren't going right or, you know, I hit that mind block where I can't come up with something is I'll pick up my laptop and I'll move myself to a different space. Yeah, that helps. So if I'm, if I'm working inside, I might go and work, work, work on the balcony or, you know, I'm extremely lucky. I, in Australia, I live um, on the northern beaches in Sydney, which is, I believe, the most beautiful part of the world. Wow. You know, I've got beaches a few minutes, like for 20 minutes, beaches, 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 and I'll just pick up my laptop and, and I'll go and I'll, I'll sit on the beach and work there or I'll go and sit in a, a coffee shop and work somewhere else or, you know, I'll ring a friend and say, hey, look, can I, you know, what are you doing? Do you want to work together and can we run, run some ideas past each other? So understanding that, you know, sometimes you, you might hit a block and what can you do at that time? to move away from that and, and move your head to a different place. Yeah, sure. Just um, changing locations sometimes, even if it's out from your desk out into the, to the, you know, common area or something can change that. Absolutely. Um, and, and also on that, on that, um, working thing. So this obviously depends on the type of business that you have. You know, sure. if you own a retail store, for example, you might be a little bit more, you know, needing to be at the business. But I've always thought that if you're working to, be wanting the weekend to come or working really, really hard so that you can get the next vacation, then maybe you need to change things up a little bit. I'm of the impression that, or for me, what sits well is I don't need to move away from my work. So I'm happy to work every day, but even when I'm away. So I travel a lot. I'm away 
all the time. I'm overseas at least once a quarter and I'm usually, you know, in a different city at, at least once every couple of weeks. Um, and I like that. I can go and, and maybe do like four or five hour days while I'm away, but still be working. So it's not, I'm working here and then I'm yeah. going on vacation. It's like bringing the whole lot together and working while I'm on vacation all the time. Yeah. 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 I like that. All right. We talked about employees a little bit, um, but let's really go back. And you've already said this, they're our biggest asset and we have to make sure that we get the right ones. And they're also for some of us, our biggest expense. So what are some steps that you've taken to make sure, you know, in any of your businesses that you get the right ones and then how do you keep them happy and satisfied at work and and in life? Because I think ultimately as, as business owners, that that's a big part of our responsibility. Yeah. So whilst they're the biggest asset and they're our biggest expense, for me, it was also the biggest challenge of my business. This was the part of my business I found the hardest to navigate and grow because, you know, I came out of school and went into a business and and I had no skills around um, leadership and and inspiring teams. So I'm going to pre-frame that I had lots of years where I didn't do this very well. Um, But what I started to understand was... um, I used to uh, have a look at what my staff's personality profile was. So we used to use the the DISC model um, so that we could really understand what it was that that was the learning style of of that uh, staff member and also the way to communicate with them. Um, Also understanding their values and what's important to them. I used to always ask them that right from the beginning before we'd even hired them, you know, what was it that inspires them? Because when we know what their values are and what inspires them, what's important to them, then we can integrate that in. But in doing that, it's also important to explain our values and what's important to us. So, you know, if I'm giving them a project, it's, um, you know, what's the purpose of this project? What do we need to accomplish as a team? What's the, you know, what's the most, if this project goes really well, this is the outcome. If it doesn't go well, this is the outcome and this is what we're all heading towards. So just so that they understand that the consequences of, you know, if we do all the right things, this will happen. And if we don't pull our weight, then this is going to happen. So it's integrating what, what, who they are, what their personality is, understanding what's important to them, and also explaining what's important to us. Yeah, and I really like that personality. I've done that both in education and then here too, because one of the things I found fascinating about it is that you really have to understand the way, I think two things. One, the way people need things. So for example, we've got a couple employees here. You never have to tell them that they're doing a good job. They know it and they don't need that. They know that their stuff is awesome. And and just by making the client happy, they're satisfied. But there's some employees that every once in a while you need to say, Hey man, really good job on that video. Thank you so much for doing that. And that's all they need. And I think really, yeah, there's different people and you just have to realize that. And if you don't think about it, then you're never going to do that with that person. So that's why I like that. Absolutely, understanding that our staff don't all think and feel like we do. No, not at all. I think that's that's the that's the um, the end of that. Yeah. So, Samantha, not everyone thinks like you and I. Come on. Oh, really? Really? (laughs) What's wrong with this world? Oh no! Uh, Now I know what's going wrong all these years. (laughs) This podcast is over. (laughs) We're done. All right. So I like quotes. I was a teacher for a long time. I was the one who passed out cheesy quotes all the time, but I I love quotes and I've got a few of my own, but what is your favorite quote? I've actually got two and they're for different reasons. Like one of them is from a very, very little wise green man. (laughs) And I'm sure we all know it. It's do or do not. There is no try. I love it. Um, 
And I actually tell myself that on a daily basis. Sometimes I'll be doing something and I'll go, come on, Sam, you, there is no try. Come on, let's just do this now. Yeah. Um, and the other one's from someone that I really admire, Gary Vaynerchuk. I think this guy is just amazing yeah. and really love what he does. And um, his quote, legacy is greater than currency, couldn't be truer. Yeah. Always be tapping into why are we here? Yeah, Gary, I you know, I just started listening to podcasts six months ago and that's what led me to do this podcast. And I just listened to one of Gary's, I think, I don't know, a week ago and bought his book and man, he's really something else. He is just fantastic, yeah. Hustle, hustle, hustle. Yeah, yeah, he's a hustler. <laughs> yeah. What about a business book? Can you recommend a business book or some sort of book that would be great for our audience? Yeah, so I've actually written down three for uh, three different reasons. So the first one is The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. Um, and I believe that every single business owner, the whole world over, needs to read that book before they start their business. Okay. It's all about understanding, you know, the systems and why we need them. All right. Um, I love Losing My Virginity by Richard Branson. And the reason I love this book is it's his uh, life story and um, and reading the challenges that he's had in his business and, you know, almost going broke numerous times over and what he did and to the extent that he pushed himself to get through it just helped me realize that a lot of us can, can quit way before we should, you know, there's always that extra thing that we can do. Um, so that really helped me. Um, and the other book that I love is book yourself solid by Michael Port. Um, and that just helped me, uh, understand and, um, redefine exactly what I wanted for my business in in making sure that I only have uh, A-grade clients in my business because not only did I enjoy working with them, but I gave my best work to my A-grade uh, clients um, and helped me to understand that really it wasn't good for my business to have C and D clients, not just because I didn't enjoy working with them, but it wasn't so good for the way that I was perceived in the marketplace because I didn't give them my best work. Yeah. So, that's a brilliant book. That's a tough. That was a tough lesson for us too, because at the at the start, and I think a lot of people this will resonate with, is that we were taking anything we could, and mm. we started to learn that even though that might mean some money, that if we took this client on, it's not going to be good for the long term, or it's not going to be good. We want to try to, and we're getting to the point where we can pick the clients that we want, and so we're yeah. getting to that point now. We weren't there, so yeah. Michael yeah, Port, he he. I just listened to hit one of his podcasts, and I just started to read. Steal the show by Michael Port too. Mm, very clever man. Yeah, very. If you could meet and have dinner with any business owner, who would it be and why? <laughs> it would actually be Gary Vaynerchuk. Really? Although I don't think he would have five minutes to sit down with me because he's such a busy man. You could walk around but and eat. I think you'd have to walk and eat with him. And he'd probably be on the phone talking to someone else. <laughs> <if I get> <laughs> yeah. But the question that I would love to, or what I'd love for him to unpack with me is how he scaled so quickly yeah. and how did he employ so many staff early on? I was watching a podcast with that he did with his father um, and, you know, his, his dad was saying, oh, my goodness, when, you know, you hired so many people, we were overstaffed. And, and Gary was sort of saying, well, if we didn't have that many staff and we weren't overstaffed at that early time, we wouldn't have been able to grow as quickly as we did. And I'd love to know how he did that because yeah. that to me is super intriguing. Yeah, I would too, because that, you know, we have a staff and I, I've said this story. I said, if I don't have, you know, I've said this all the time. If I didn't have the staff that I did, I'd be a millionaire. But then, then right away we'd shut down because I couldn't do anything. That's exactly right. So yeah, to, to be able to pick someone's brain that's really done that very well. Yeah. Um, 
it would be awesome. So what technology and app and software that or software that you use you couldn't live without? What's something that every day you're glad you have and, and it really helps you in your business? Yeah, so I'm super untechy. <laughs> I'm very old oh very untechy. I have a tech team that are on speed dial and get a call twenty times a day. <laughs> um but because I do a lot of social media and I love visuals um, the, and I, I don't even know how to use Photoshop, as sad as that sounds, I absolutely love Canva.com. Oh, yeah. And that's I do all of my, my visuals on, on Canva. Um, and they've just released a Canva for work, which is a, a paid subscription. And it's got a, a, a new button called Magic Resize, which wow. is just like oh, amazing. So when I, I do a Facebook post, I can hit Magic Resize and it automatically changes it to a size for Twitter and Instagram instantly. So I don't need to do it, do that same image three times over. So, Oh, I love that. I'm going to go check um, that. Cause we were playing with Canva before they came up with that subscription. And right now I have to go talk to my graphic designer and Hey, can you make this for me? And that's for this. Yeah. Oh, look yeah. at Canva for work. It's only nine ninety five a month and it's worth every cent. You know, you can add your team in there. You can have put your branding in there. It's just cool. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So you're not in our area. So we always like to ask people in Michigan, um, but we do interview people from all over, especially now. But what is your, we love to eat and drink around here. And I'm sure you guys too. What's a, your favorite place to eat or drink in Australia? Well, you you definitely, everyone needs to come to Australia yeah, and have a drink at the Opera Bar. The Opera Bar is right on um, the harbor in Sydney. So we've got the Opera House and the Sydney Harbour Bridge, and you can see them, and it's just beautiful to sit there. It's a huge outdoor area. You know, you have a cocktail or a glass of wine and watch the sun go down. It's the most magical place. Oh, you just, everyone needs to come to Sydney and go to Opera Bar. And ring me when they get here, and I will come and join you for a drink. Oh, that sounds awesome. We're on, we're on our way. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> So before we talk about how we get best in touch with you, I do want to talk about what's going on for you tonight because you're actually launching a book. I am launching a book tonight. That, um, that, is, that is exciting. I'm super excited. It's my very first book. I've written little e-books before, but this is my first real physical book. It's called The Heart of Entrepreneurship, and it's uh, it gives you actionable advice on how to navigate the entrepreneurial roller coaster. But it's a lot of my experiences over the last 20 years. And, um, you know, I share some great case studies of, of um, wins that we've had, wins for myself, wins with clients. But I also share the dark times as well cool. um, because I think it's really important to understand that it's not always bright and shiny and happy all the time um, and, and understanding that there are dark times and giving resources um, that you can personally tap into to navigate those times and keep moving forward. Cool. Well, we'll have a link to that in the show notes too. And I'm excited. I'm definitely going to get it. Um, I can't wait. And congratulations on writing your first book. Thank you so much, Brian. So how do we best get in touch with you? Somebody's like, I, I got to talk to the Samantha Riley and I need her help. What's the best way to do that? Okay. So first up um, on the book, I would love to offer um, 20 of your listeners a free copy of the book. Right. Um, and to claim that, they just go to theheartofentrepreneurship.com forward slash the machine. And first 20 people can have a free copy of that. I'll post it out. Um, otherwise, you can connect with me on Facebook at The Accelerant Group or on Instagram, which I love, at The Sam Riley. Awesome. So, again, listeners, we'll put that link in the show notes and you can get the first 20 copies for, for free. Just pay shipping. So, we sure will have listeners that do that. Last question. It's a big one. And you, <laughs> you had mentioned it in the beginning. And I'm so glad that you did. 
but what do you hope or what do you think that your legacy will be? Okay, I know that this is going to be my legacy. I know it with every cell in my body. Beautiful. That I want to inspire as many people to do work they love, like the work that lights them up, um, either through um, the children's education programs, like I work in Australia, there's a Kidpreneur Foundation and help children, or through my programs, because I know that when people do what they love to do, it gives them the freedom to do everything that they love to do. It changes not only their lives, but impacts their partners, their family, their friends, their clients, and it just makes the world a much happier and much more loving place. I love that. And so you heard it here, uh, everyone, that when you really love what you do, it has a great impact. And I'm sure that it will be your legacy. And Samantha, um, I'm so excited for your day today. Thank you so much for being on our little business machine podcast here in Michigan. And I'm sure we'll be talking to you uh, again and and good luck and, and, and enjoy the rest of your day today. 